Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. I have returned. Sorry for my two-month hiatus here. Um, have a lot going on, and uh, just I haven't had a lot of time to, to record, but I will try to be better and start um, doing weekly recordings again. Um, obviously, we have a lot to get into for this episode. Uh, we are in the middle of the NBA playoffs. No games right now as the... Uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals will start on Tuesday, I believe. And we're going to have two rematches from, from the West and the East, the same ones that we had uh, during the 2020 season, which was the bubble year. So the Western Conference Finals, we're going to have uh, the Lakers playing the Denver Nuggets. And then in the East, we're going to have the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Um, but let's recap kind of where we've started here. Uh, in the NBA playoffs uh, for this year. It's been pretty exciting. Um, we have two bubble teams, or not bubble teams, but um, play-in tournament teams in the Miami Heat and Los Angeles Lakers all the way in the conference finals. Uh, we'll get into those two teams here. I was completely wrong about the Heat, by the way. Um, I just I did not think they were going to make the playoffs. They were struggling all year long. Um, the advanced age of certain players and then inconsistencies from certain certain players as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that here. Uh, so first round, um, a lot of teams I feel like and players were exposed uh, for sure. Um, first team that comes to mind was Cavaliers. Um, I was high on the Cavs early in the season. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was um, you know a great trade for them. I feel like to kind of put them over the top. Um, I feel like they they lacked consistency of getting Evan Mobley involved. Um, Evan Mobley was a second, third year player uh, at a USC. I think I feel like he has his good. Uh, he could have a, a really good offensive presence down low, but uh, for some reason they haven't gotten him involved as much uh, in the offense as I feel like they should. Uh, Donovan Donovan Mitchell did not show up um, in the playoffs. They couldn't even score that much against a New York uh, Knicks team that, you know, defensively they're good. They're good defensively, but I just feel like that offensive proudness from Cleveland um, should have helped them overcome uh, that defense. And they only had one win. Uh, Knicks advanced uh, 4-1. Uh, let's see what else. The Bucks, you know, completely wrong. Let's say my preseason pick was originally was the Warriors and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals. Uh, just because, you know, Milwaukee – they were the best team, top to bottom. Giannis is the best player in the league, uh, but you have, um, you know, consistency there. Um, you know, and continuity is big in the NBA, and that's why I felt like the Bucks would do it because last year they had the injury to Chris Middleton against the Boston Celtics, and then I think that's what carried the Celtics to um, the finals where they played the uh, the Warriors. But then you know the Bucks they have to play the Heat, and the Heat were you know. As I said, that was like basically the zombie team. Like I just did not see it at all from them. Uh, but as soon as the playoffs hit, uh, Jimmy Butler becomes a completely different player. And you know, Giannis did miss two games with injury. But then once he went down, like okay, maybe he'll come back and and they'll be able to, you know, come back and win. And you know, I, I feel like they were the best team, head and shoulders better than any other team, even Boston, because I feel like you know, like I said, the the injury to Chris Middleton last year really. Um, force the Celtics to to advance, I think. Um, but yeah, so the Bucks ended up losing in five games. Mike Budenholzer gets fired, um, who, you know, he won a championship, which, by the way, a lot of these coaches have been 
have been getting fired after winning a champ. Like Nick Nurse got fired. He won a championship in, uh, what was it, uh, 2019. Monty Williams, head coach for the Phoenix Suns, which we'll also get into the Phoenix Suns here in a bit. Um, he was the winnest, winningest coach in the last three years, 64 wins last year. You know, they only had Kevin Durant for eight games. He gets fired, right? And then, uh, then Budenholzer gets fired. Even before that, Frank Vogel, who won the bubble championship, he gets fired. So it's like, okay, maybe you don't win coach of the year and don't win a championship, and maybe you'll keep your you keep your job. The only head coach in the last five years that's won a, an NBA championship that's still coaching for the same team is Steve Kerr, Golden State Warriors, and that's because he has four championships with them. So it's like, okay, we can't we can't fire Steve Kerr. He's not the problem. Um, so it's just like this carousel of of NBA coaches, and I don't I don't think these. Uh, GMs and owners realize continuity is important in the NBA because in, in the league where um, there's a lot of switching players, switching different teams and coaches, there's always a new coach and, and uh, they have to, they have to implement their system and it takes time to implement the system, especially if you have young players and it just takes a lot of time for people to buy in and you, you're going to need the same management, the same coaching staff for, for you to see the benefits. Like what Denver's doing right now, um, with, with Mike Malone, who I love Mike Malone. I think he's a great coach. And now they're in the Western Conference Finals. Last year they had a terrible team, you know, because they had major injuries to their starters. And basically Jokic, who won the MVP, was playing with, you know, G League players, you know, people who aren't even in the league right now. And they still made the playoffs. And um, they didn't they didn't let Mike Malone go after that because they had a struggling year. They kept him. He's been there for six years, and now they're in the Western Conference Finals again. And, you know, a couple years ago, they were in the Western Conference Finals again, so they're they're like right there. They're like right about. I feel like they're going to win the championship this year. Um, I've been I've loved Denver for a while. I've been high on Denver. Now it feels like since they have the same core pieces there for like the last few years, it, feels, it seems like now they're going to finally reach that their peak here. I think because they have the best player. I think right now in the league is Jokic. I mean, I know it changes year to year it seems like based on uh playoff performances by certain by certain players um and did win the mvp we'll also get into the sixers here uh which i think it should have stayed with um Jokic. but to finish my point um yeah there's been a lot of uh, uh coaching firings and stuff so budenholzer's out but now as uh budenholzer's out for milwaukee it seems like I think Milwaukee's probably going to hire Monty Williams, who Monty Williams is a great coach. He should not have lost his job in Phoenix. The The reason why the, the Phoenix Suns lost was not because of Monty Williams. Monty Williams is a great coach. He's just He knows how to coach his players well. Um, but if if the Bucks were to get him, I mean, forget about it. I think Milwaukee can win next year. And I'm, st- I'm still going to bet on Milwaukee every year if they're fully healthy. Giannis, I mean, in that, in that final game where they lost, they had a chance to win. He missed... He missed like 14 free throws. Like, come on. If you're at the free throw line, it, it's called a free throw for a reason. You got to hit your free throws. Um, and then let's see what else. Okay, so Sixers and Nets. I mean, the Nets getting swept. I mean, that was expected. You know, their best player is Mikael Bridges, who uh, he has his offensive game has he's taken it to the next level. Or maybe he hadn't. He didn't have the opportunity to really show his um, offensive prowess or like the different levels to his game. Like, man, he's a he could be a, a true. Uh, two-way player because before in Phoenix he was just kind of a three and D guy great on the defensive side of the ball but um, with the Nets you really saw him like control the pace of the offense and and really get to his spots and hit shots he was driving the basket hitting his mid-range shot 
hitting from outside. Like he was, he really impressed me a lot uh, during this postseason. Um, and I feel like the Nets, they have um, with that trade with Phoenix and then that trade with with uh, Dallas for Kyrie Irving. Um, they have a lot of good pieces there. It's like they're they're like they're like the Brooklyn Nets team before they got Kyrie and um, and KD, where they were really deep. They had um, who was coaching? This is that team with like D'Angelo Russell and and uh, Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Like I remember that that team was good, um, and everyone everyone liked that team because they're like, oh yeah, they have really good chemistry and all this. They're very deep, and then KD and Kyrie came and just messed it all up, and then they request trades, and then they just ruined the Brooklyn Nets. But I feel like the Brooklyn Nets got a really good really good return there. Um, and then let's see the Hawks. I was surprised the Hawks they took it to six games uh, playing the Celtics. And I don't know, there's a lot of Trey Young rumors, you know, that he might get traded because, you know, uh, I think there's like a locker room issue. There's been reports about uh, leadership issues with Trey Young. He's kind of distant. Um, he's had issues with past head coaches. Um, I'm not sure what they do with the with the DeJounte Murray, Trey Young combo. They've still been talking about trading John Collins for like two years, it seems like. They just got to offload that contract. Maybe Dallas would be an option. Because uh, Luca needs a different situation there, um, it's not going to work with Kyrie, I don't think. But uh, yeah, I was very surprised with the Hawks. I mean, the Hawks they beat the Miami Heat in that first play-in game, so I was like, okay, Miami. So Miami had to win two in a row to get to where they are at now, and then that whole situation there. Uh, okay, so we're recapping the West, uh, Denver destroyed Minnesota uh, five games. You know, they gave Minnesota one. Um, this series was just awful like I just did not want to watch this series at all I was had no interest in this series first of all every game was on like at 10 30 pacific time and I'm just like well, who's even watching this game and then most of the time you look at it they're like up by 30 it's like okay and uh Minnesota has a lot of problems you know um mainly with Carl Anthony Towns I said I wasn't going to call him soft anymore but I'm going to call him soft he just the way he's been playing and the way he plays in the postseason there's no reason why um, in a in a must win game, in a closeout game, basically for Denver, Carl Anthony Towns, your second best offensive player, right? He can shoot from the outside. He could do some stuff inside. There's no reason why he should have fewer shot attempts than Rudy Gobert. Who Rudy Gobert? I just you know how I feel about Rudy Gobert. I just I I'm not a Rudy Gobert person. I don't think anybody is unless your teammate. I mean, even his teammates aren't because he punched one of his teammates too. <laughs> So it, it, Rudy Gobert shouldn't have more shot attempts than him. He could only shoot from like two feet from the basket and, and needs like an alley-oop or, or something close to the basket. But uh, the way Carlton Towns was playing in that last game was like he, he didn't want it. And the only person who was really playing hard and really uh, being aggressive like they needed to be was uh, Anthony Edwards, who I love Anthony Edwards. But um, it's like he's already set up for failure the way that Minnesota has constructed this roster. I think the trade for Rudy Gobert is going to go down in history as one of the worst trades of all time, because while everyone is playing small ball in the NBA, they're one of the few teams that's trying to play with two bigs. Like you can't have two bigs. You have one big who can't play defense in Carl Anthony towns. Right. But offensively, he could do so much, but then in big moments, he kind of shies from, from the spotlight. So you're having to rely heavily on Anthony Edwards, who's only, what is he, 22, 23 now? I mean, which was amazing, though, because he scored like 30-plus points 
in like four straight games or something the postseason, which no one had done since Kobe or something like that. Um, but just the way that this roster is constructed, it's like, okay, so then you have Rudy Gobert, who who I, don't, I honestly don't think he's that great defensively. He's he's He protects the rim for sure. But then as he get, if he gets pulled out of the key, people just take him off the dribble and he, he gets beat. That he, he can't stop that first step. Like if you have a quick first step, you can you can beat Rudy Gobert easily. And then if he tries to defend a three, I'll oh, forget about it. He's just like they just put him in a blender and they could just they could score on him easily. So then you have those two bigs. You have one that can't score and then you have one that can't really defend that well. So then the so then you have two bigs down low and then that just clogs up the paint for Anthony Edwards who his game he's an explosive player. So he can get to the basket but he needs he needs some open lanes and they're just not they're not providing that for him at all. So it's just it was a bad trade. They traded a lot for for Rudy Gobert and he's getting paid a lot of money but he I mean he's just a rebounder and and, and defensive player and he's making like a, he has a crazy contract. Um, so I really don't know where Minnesota goes from here. They, I think they ex- exceeded expectations last year. This year they should have been better. Um, I think I was saying that they were going to be like a six or seven seed, if I remember correctly. But I, I thought they would be a lot better. They would, they would um, grow from what they did last year. But they honestly got worse, if not plateaued. Um, I don't know what they have what they can do as far as offloading certain contracts but they have to figure something out there um and then Suns and Clippers um so I want to talk about the Clippers because I was you know I I like the Clippers um I always thought this team was really deep uh Ty Lue is a great coach um I don't think he gets enough respect um because you know he coached LeBron and everyone wants to say LeBron is the one who um you know he was a GM and coach and did all that stuff, but but Tyler's a great coach. He 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 knows the game really well. He makes um, he makes great adjustments. Um, but this Clippers team is like it's like they're cursed or something. You know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. At one point, they were like two of the best two way players in the league. And when they got together, I was like, okay, the Clippers can win a championship with these two players because they're both great two way players. You know, they could beat you offensively and they could stop you defensively, and they could you could pick your poison whichever one can guard your best player and, and get a stop. But then, you know, you have the inconsistencies with Kawhi Leonard, like, Hey, is he going to play? When's it, when's he going to be fully healthy? They have to load manage him. And then, uh, Paul George has been having like a major surgery, like every year since he's got with the Clippers or even since his OKC days, he's been in and out of the lineup. And then he misses a whole first round with an injury and he's not going to get back until the second round. And then I feel like the Clippers had a chance there for a little bit. Like there was some great battles with Kawhi Leonard and and Kevin Durant. Like you know, at, at one point these were the two best players in the league, and we just we didn't have um, that many like um, playoff matchups with them, which was kind of weird. It's like, hey, I feel like this was like um, these are like mass matchups that we were like wanting and we never got, and we finally got it, and it was amazing to see this duel between these two great two-way players um, who, you know, maybe are past their prime a little bit, you know, maybe more so Kawhi Leonard than Kevin Durant, but um, it just, it, we didn't get enough of it because then Kawhi Leonard is injured after like game two. And it's like, oh, okay. So I'm like, man, we had it. It was just such a great matchup. And then, and then it just, boom, disappeared like that. And then he had like, he apparently he tore his meniscus and then he misses the rest of the, the first round. It's like, okay. How many times can the Clippers go through this, you know? And then now next year, like, how much time is is Kawhi Leonard going to miss next year? You know, like with a torn meniscus, that's like, 
That's like nine, like nine months right there. So he's is going to be ready until like it's going to be ready in December or like next year, like January, February. And then if if that's the case, then is, when is Paul George going to be ready? Is Paul George going to be oh, well? Paul George will probably be ready by the beginning of the season anyway. But then you kind of have to think about what are you going to do roster wise? Um, who if you do try to offload Kawhi or Paul George, who's going to want to take those contracts on? They're in their early to mid thirties and they've had major injuries like every year since they've gone to LA, what, three or four years ago. Like when they're on, they're on and they can play really well, but it's just, they're inconsistent. Um, and I, you know, earlier this season, I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm off the Clippers forever. I'm off them. I'm off them because I just like, I, I I'm like, Oh man, the Clippers, like they're deep. They got this and like, this is going to work out. And then once they add Kawhi to the mix, but I'm always asking, I'm always saying if they do this, if they do this, if they do this, it's too many ifs. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, like you, you just need to be there for your team. And neither of them were there. Right. I mean, injuries are not. And, um, but in, in terms of roster construction, I don't, I don't think the Clippers should blow it up because like this is the best chance you have, and like maybe next year they get a full season with them healthy. Maybe they could actually do something. But people are saying that they should trade them. But it's like, well, where do you go from here? You don't really have that many assets. Like you have them, and maybe you can get a bunch of role players and kind of see what happens there. But basically, you just have to have a really deep team and have people that can step up. But I would, I honestly, I would write it out because there's no other way. There's no other like way to pivot from this like current roster construction i think you just kind of run it back you don't really have that much of a choice um but yeah it's just it was just disappointing to see um Kawhi, you know get injured again and paul george get injured again i'm not gonna be like the other people that i've heard call for Kawhi leonard to retire you know i do think he cares about basketball he's just had bad luck and i think his body's just wearing out it's just he's just wearing down ever since that issue in, in San Antonio and then the the whole Zaza Pachulia injury where he stepped on like he just wasn't the same since then. And in that series, like the Spurs might have been the Warriors, honestly. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was tough to see. Uh, the Kings, uh, the Kings of Warriors was a great that was the best series so far in this whole playoffs. That one went to game seven. Steph Curry had an unbelievable performance in that in that seventh game with 50 points. Uh, he was just hitting every shot. He was just refusing to lose. Um, we'll get into the Warriors here in a little bit. But uh, Sacramento Kings, Mike Brown, coach of the year, they completely exceeded expectations. I did not have them in the playoffs at all. I, I completely overlooked them. Uh, Deer and Fox uh, moved up to another category for me. Not that my opinion matters at all, but, um, you know, I, I just I feel like he wasn't he was elevating um, his team or, or players around him, but I just, he just didn't have like the right roster around him. And, and, you know, kudos to Sacramento for not, um, giving up on him. Cause it was a lot of trade rumors with him early on in his career. Um, cause he wasn't like, um, he wasn't playing like a number one guy, you know, he's playing more like a number two, but now with the addition of Sabonis, I mean, him and Sabonis, I mean, and I, I, the whole series with Sabonis was just annoying to me he moved down a category for me because just like, I like the way he plays, but man, he just like, he's always on the floor. He was always crying. It's like, dude, come on. He's always fishing for fouls. It's like, just play the game. Just play the game. And Kevon Looney, like shout out to Kevon Looney. Like he just destroyed Sabonis the entire series. Sabonis led the league in rebounding during the regular season. But this series, that series, uh, Looney was like Will Chamberlain, basically. He had 20 rebounds in three 
of the seven games, which the last person to do that was Will Chamberlain. Like, come on. It was amazing. And um, But for the for the Kings, they have a lot to um, be proud of for sure. Keegan Murray hit some big shots in, in that game seven. And at some points, like, he was, like, the only guy hitting shots for the Kings. And, um, I mean, it's his rookie year, and they put him in the game, and there was like, hey, let's just see what happens here. And, you know, he responded well. Um, then we'll talk about, let's see, Grizzlies and Lakers. I had, of course, I had the Lakers beating the Grizzlies because I just I trust LeBron and 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 him in in the in the postseason. I don't trust the Grizzlies. Um, you know, Dylan Brooks. Everyone's gonna talk about Dylan Brooks, and you know, he's just a couple years ago he was averaging like 24, 25 points in the playoffs. Like, what happened to that Dylan Brooks? Now he was averaging like nine. Like, can't hit a shot. He's just uh, he's okay. He's a defender, but. He wasn't like he wasn't being like a lockdown defender, and then he's trying to you know agitate LeBron, and then he's like he's ducking the media when they lose. It's just it just seemed weak, you know. Like you're doing all this, and then you don't want to you don't want to answer any questions, and you want to avoid the media, and then he's like, oh, media is making me like look out to be the bad guy. I'm like, dude, you did that yourself. Like, come on, you're doing that yourself. And this whole Grizzlies team as a whole, they have to be the the most disliked team in the NBA because. You have, uh, yeah, they're just like they're complete front runners. Like when they're winning, they're cool, man, and they're they're dancing, they're doing their stupid gritty dance and all this stuff, and and you know they're just they're showboating. And then when they lose, they don't want to talk to the media. It's like okay, it's like just that's, that's part of your obligation as NBA players: talk to the media, answer some some stupid questions, and then just move on. And then John Morant has another gun incident yesterday. It's like, dude, two months ago, there's a video of you at a strip club and, you know, you're getting a, you're getting a, a dance or whatever. And then you start showing a gun and, and then you get suspended. Then you do this whole fake thing about, oh, I'm going to counseling. I'm seeking treatment. I want to be a better person, blah, 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 blah. Two months later, there's another Instagram video of you uh, flashing a gun <laughs> again, two months later. Uh, so obviously he, he immediately got suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies, but First of all, I would ask myself, who the fuck are my friends to be recording me with a gun again after they saw everything I just went through? And then you're going to hang out with the same people and they're going to record me again with a gun. I don't even know how those people are your friends. It's like, dude, you're the breadwinner there. Obviously, you're 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 buying houses and cars and shit for your friends, but then you need to have a no phone policy. Hey, dude, why the fuck are you recording me? You, you know what you should have done, which I probably shouldn't say. I would have shot him with the gun. Dude, you're gonna ruin my career. You're gonna suspend. I'm gonna get suspended for this whole, for this whole NBA season. Probably something's gonna happen. He's gonna lose more endorsements because as soon as the first situation happened, uh, Nike pulled his commercials. Powerade pulled his commercials, and then and then like, oh, okay, let's wait for this to settle down. And then they waited like three weeks or something, right? And then all of a sudden he comes back from his treatment or whatever it was. And then um, I don't know what kind of treatment it is. Like, hey, don't be an idiot. Don't uh, don't record yourself with a gun. <laughs> That, that's your treatment. There you go. Get out. And then two months later, he does it again. So all the endorsements kind of went away for a while. And then the playoffs start. And then all of a sudden you see, oh, John Morant's in the gym. And then you start seeing the commercials again. So I expect the same thing to happen again. Like, oh, we won't see, we won't see these commercials and stuff. But dude, pick some, pick some smarter friends. Holy shit. Like, what are you, what are you even doing? Like you have this huge contract right here. And you're 23 years old or 22. You're going to turn 23 in August. Like, I mean, come on. The NBA doesn't play around. They're always watching. And then especially if you post it yourself or your friend posts it, like, 
you're just you're just asking for trouble, and you get suspended again. And listen to the old heads of the NBA who have dealt with the same situations: the Jalen Rose, J.R. Smith. Listen to Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes. Have them in your corner. Talk to people like this who have have dealt with certain situations. Stephen Jackson literally shot someone. He he shot at somebody, and was suspended, and he dealt with his issues. But his career was able to be long enough to to have a career outside of basketball. But like surround yourself with better people. The Memphis Grizzlies, as an organization, they need to they need something they need to figure something out because the veteran the only veteran there is Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams has called out some people. Um, they've had team meetings where they're talking to John Morant like, hey dude, like what are you doing? Like you're um, like one of the most exciting players in the league. You're the, supposed to be the leader of the team. You get suspended and then like they have to play without you, without their best player. And now you're doing this and now you do it again. <laughs> like what? You guys just got embarrassed by the Lakers. Like you should be in the like you should be in the gym basically. Like this this is gonna be the most important summer of your career, of how you're going to change this perception of you and all these people joking and saying that you're going to be suspended because you're going to have ankle monitor soreness. Like that joke is just going to be around for a little bit until you clean up your image. Because, um, I mean, come on. John Morant's like, he's doing the fake tough guy thing with the gun. Like he went to like a prep school. Like, <laughs> come on. And he's just, he has, he's trying to hold up this image that he's like this hard dude. But I mean, he's like, He's a he's a prep school basketball player. Like, come on, that's what all these kids are. Like, they're not they're not doing anything street. So just as for the Grizzlies, they have to sign. They need a veteran guy like a Udonis Haslam or like uh, Andre Iguodala. Actually, that's funny because they did have Andre Iguodala and he didn't want to be on the team. And then there was some drama there. So maybe not Andre Iguodala, but somebody like that veteran presence who can kind of bring people in. And hey, we need to not party when we're in L.A. We need to be smart. Stay out of the clubs. Stay the fuck off Instagram Live and stop with the damn guns, you know, because you're going to ruin your career. It's just stupid. Because, I mean, the first time was stupid, but okay, slap on the wrist. But then two months later, do the same thing. I, I, I can't even believe it. Uh, okay, so then second round, we had, uh, let's start, let's stick with the with the West, right? Okay, so we had, uh, let's see, Warriors and Lakers. I'm going to... I'm upset about it still, but we'll talk about Warriors and Lakers. Lakers one and six, and I, I'm I'm not gonna say the dynasty is over. A lot of people want to say the the Golden State Warriors their dynasty is over. The dynasty is not over if Steph Curry is still on the team. Okay, Steph Curry is still at the peak of his of his powers and his abilities. He has not lost a step. He's actually he's the he's this is the best version of Steph Curry we've ever seen. That game seven against Sacramento was just one of the the best games I've ever seen. The best performances I've ever seen single handedly. I mean, you have the Jimmy Butler game, the fifty six point game. This game seven uh, for Jason Tatum against the Sixers, scoring 50, 51, 52 points. Like that was just amazing. He was refusing to lose that game. Um, so no, the dynasty is not over as long as Steph Curry's there. He's the one piece, and I honestly I think Draymond too. I think you need you need Draymond there with Steph because the way that they are in such in sync as far as like getting open, like they don't even they don't have to look at each other. Like they already know what's going to happen. Draymond gets the ball, he gets a screen, he just tosses it to Steph, or if Steph doesn't have it, throws it back to him. Steph runs around the corner, boom, Draymond hits him open shot right there. He already, he already knows like they're already so such in sync. And the way that Draymond plays, I know people want to say, Oh, he gets the triple singles or whatever, but this Warriors team needs, needs a Draymond. Right. And he has a player option. Um, people are saying he might opt out and go to LA. 
I, I expect him to stay um, because, I mean, he's with the two best shooters of all time. Um, and just, like, his energy and, like, what he brings to the table. Like, Steph is a, is a leader that leads by example. Even though he had this like amazing speech before Game Seven of the uh, of the first round, right? And uh, but he'll he'll lead it by example, and he expects everyone to kind of fall in line. And then Draymond's, you know, he'll get in your face. He leads, you know, he leads vocally. He's like he's the soul of the team, right? And then Clay, he just kind of does his thing. But uh, the dynasty is not over as long as Steph, Clay, and Draymond are there. Clay had an abysmal series against the Lakers. He had three straight terrible games where he scored 10 points or less. It was like eight, nine and 10, three in a row. And the playoffs were kind of up and down for him. He did show, he did have some, some good games uh, against Sacramento, but, and then uh, early in the series against LA, he was really showing out. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. All right. Clay's hitting some big shots. You know, he grew up a Lakers fan. His dad won a championship with the Lakers. His dad works for the Lakers. He's like, okay, I want, I need to show out against the Lakers. Then he had just three straight duds, and uh, Steph really needed some help. But that last game, it was literally just Steph and Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney with his 18 rebounds and Steph with 32 points. Everyone else was single digits. It was bad. It was bad. Um, I Preseason, I thought, I was like, okay, Warriors, I'm going to have the Warriors in the championship just because, um, you know, the continuity. But then their bench changed. They had a lot of new additions to the bench, and I'm like, okay, I'll get into pool in a little bit. But I, I was like, okay, Jordan Poole's going to take the next step. And then, you know, whatever. But then they had these younger players. Like, okay, the younger players, they got that they got that championship uh, experience. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be the year. Then, man, they I don't know what it was. They just struggled all year long, especially on the road. They had the worst road record of like in, in history for any defending champion. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, it's the Warriors. Like, you know, it's just a regular season. Like, who cares, right? Like, they're going to turn it on. And sure enough, you know, they got the, the necessary wins on the road that they needed to in the first round. Um, they should have won that first game in L.A. They had a chance to win that one on the road. Um, but this team was like, they are completely taxed, you know, and um, they just didn't have it. I feel like it was just more of the depth, like the depth wasn't there. Um, and there's a lot to, to base off in like, you know, the, the, the Wiseman trade Wiseman was never going to fit this Warriors team. Like his timeline was completely off. Like he needs, like, he's so raw. He only played like what, four games at Memphis before they were like investigating him for, for improper benefits or whatever the hell it was. And then he gets injured when he gets to the NBA. So he didn't even have a lot of time. Like, he was basically a high school player still, right? So he didn't have a lot of time to develop. And the Warriors' timeline is a little faster because Steph Curry's – did Steph Curry turn 35, 34, 35? So their timeline was, like, a little different, right? So you have you have your vets. And, and I was amazed with the way that Bob Myers did this because last year you had a chance to, to trade certain pieces and then just, like, let's all get old guys and just win as many championships as we can, right? But they decided to keep, they kept Kaminga, right? Moody. And then, you know, Poole was emerging, supposedly. This is what we all talk about. Poole is emerging. Poole is going to be great, right? Whatever. Um, and then, you know, you have Wiseman. So you have these young pieces, right? And then you have these veterans. You got Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Like, okay, we could kind of balance this out because they're still producing at a high level. Well, not a high level. Well, Steph is a high level, but everyone else is, you know, a, a decent level where you can win. Um, but it, it wasn't it wasn't working this year um i thought wiseman i thought they could have if they got sadiq bay for wiseman like they were supposed to or og and anubi 
I think those trades were were going to be more impactful for them. Or if they get like a Pascal Siakam, someone like that. They need someone who's not you know in their 30s, like late 20s, but has a lot of experience. Um, they need a two-way player. Um, they have Wiggins, but then Wiggins got injured. Um, and Wiggins was great this postseason. He was great. He, uh, you know, towards the end of the season, he was dealing with the family issue. His dad was sick. but um, So he was away for the team for a while, but then he got ramped up. So he played through a lot of stuff. And then... In that closeout game, he had a, a rib cartilage injury, and he was questionable. He ended up playing, um, so it did affect his shooting. So, I mean, he had a lot going on, but he he put it on the line for the team, which you know, respect to Wiggins. Um, he was their best player last last uh, postseason. Like him defensively on everybody was just great, um, but you know, he, he wasn't scoring offensively. So, as far as this team goes, it's like I, there's a lot that can happen roster wise. Um, and then Bob Myers, he has to decide if he wants to still work for the Warriors or w- what he's going to do. He's like, he said, the report is that he's torn, right? Because this is a dynasty and you have to kind of like keeping a dynasty together is, is difficult. Um, it's interesting for sure because it's like, okay, well, what what do I do roster wise, right? Because um, Jordan Poole, okay, here's my Jordan Poole part. Jordan Poole is the worst basketball player in the NBA. <laughs> he is just abysmal i can't think of anything that i hate more than watching jordan Poole play basketball i would rather go to the dmv and stand in line for six hours than watch jordan Poole play basketball i would rather i don't know i would rather do so many more things than that i would rather talk to comcast customer service for eight hours than watch jordan Poole play basketball for 30 minutes but jordan Poole is just He's just an awful basketball player. I just hate watching him play basketball. I have no idea. He has no idea what he's doing when he gets the ball. He has no idea. Like, you know, Steph is like, he's in control. His pace is so great. Like, he knows what he's going to do. He has he has the ball. He sees the defenders. He has three, four moves of what he can do. He's like, okay, I can go go my right. I go to my left. I could get a screen from Draymond. I could pass it to somebody else open. I'm going to run to the corner, hit a shot. I'm going to do all this crazy stuff. Jordan Poole's just like, okay, I'm going to get the ball. All right, let me just dribble it out. And there's 24 seconds on the shot clock. So you got to move the ball. And the Warriors offensively, they everyone moves. There's, it's just a motion offense. Everyone moves. You set screens. You get open. You pass the ball. You pass the ball four or five times. It's like, it's just, it's beautiful. When it's in symmetry, it's beautiful. But as soon as Jordan Poole fucking puts that jersey on and gets on court, he just does not like to move. He just like, he's like, all right, man, I got my time to shine. If there's any baddies courtside, I got to, I got to hit some shots. I, I was watching the game. There was some, there was some baddies there, but he did nothing, nothing. He was just awful. And I don't know why they gave him this, was it $120 million contract? They extended him because he was like, he was decent when Steph Curry was injured and he was like, he was playing like 30 30 minutes a game, scoring pretty well. He was like, oh, this is, is he the third Splash Brother? Like, dude, no, he's not. He Even at his at his peak, whenever he's been great, quote-unquote great, he was like 35% from three. Like, come on. Clay had the best uh, three-point uh, shooting percentage of his career this year. Um, Steph has been great. Those are the two greatest shooters of all time, Steph and Clay. I don't care what anybody says. Jordan Poole, no, because just the way he plays, his his knowledge of the game is is lackluster. He has a very low basketball IQ. He gets the ball, doesn't like to move, and he's always like trying to. He's always flailing or like trying to flop or something. He's never in rhythm. And then he he tries to throw uh, Steve Kerr under the bus. Like, oh hey, uh, I I wasn't in rhythm. I I didn't get enough minutes. Like, why why should you get enough minutes? You're supposed to be the the sixth the sixth man for this team, and the sixth man is supposed to get. 
about 30 minutes a game. But he's he's basically unplayable in the playoffs because he doesn't try at all on defense. Like, Steph hasn't been a good defender, but he's a good um, team defender. Like, he knows his spots and stuff. Jordan Poole just completely, he does nothing defensively. And then if he's not doing anything offensively, then why is he even there? And I just, I can't stand, whenever he's in the game, like, why does he have to play point? He's not a natural point guard. He wasn't a point guard in Michigan. He's never been a point guard. He does not like to facilitate. He's a two guard, so you need to put him as shooting guard and have, you need another backup point guard that's not Jordan Poole and have them run the offense and then just get just get Jordan Poole his touches in a, in a different way because the way that it is right now or the way that St- uh, Steve Kerr plays him as like he's like running the offense. Like, why is he running the offense? That dude does not like to pass the ball. And then his shot is fucking horrible i just i hate his shot i hate watching him shoot the ball and then when it goes into i still get mad like i I just i don't like it i hate watching it and that first that first game in la he he was so deep and there was so much time on the clock and then he like steph doesn't touch the ball in that sequence jordan Poole's like oh it's my time i'm gonna hit this shot and it was just so off and it was the worst shot i've seen in a long time and of course it didn't go in because it's jordan Poole and Last postseason, he averaged 17 points per game. And I'll, I'll give him his credit. They don't win the championship without him because he averaged 17 points a game. But his minutes from the regular season to the postseason last year diminished. He started playing like 15, 20 minutes. This year, he was averaging like 11 points per game. He just was in the worst slump ever, and he was virtually unplayable. And so then the Warriors are trying to have to find offense from someone else and clay wasn't providing that and then so you're getting it from wiggins and then you're, you're getting some some big minutes and, and points from um from gp2 which gary Payne's not a good shooter but he was hitting some shots you know he's a he was a dog defensively but i mean i don't, I don't know what the warriors do with pool because like his contract hasn't even started yet like they 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 i think they prematurely extended him I think the one that they should have extended was Draymond and Wiggins because those guys are are valuable pieces to the team, especially Wiggins, his his two-way ability. But Poole, like, if he's not scoring, he's definitely not defending, then, like, what is he – why is he there? Like, what is he doing? He's just kind of hanging out. Like, he's just just so annoying. And honestly, at halftime, I wish Draymond Green punched him again. I wish he would go to his house and punch him right now. Like, it's still so upsetting – just watching him the way he played basketball, like that punch from preseason was warranted. I want to watch that video 10 times today, back to back to back, because that's like the most satisfying video to watch. And I hope Draymond does it again, because I think that 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 changed the season and it still bothers Jordan Poole. Like he's never gotten punched in the face before. Like, I don't know. It should probably happen again after that fucking terrible, terrible postseason run by him. It was awful. It was just awful to watch. This makes me sick talking about it. I'm upset. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But the dynasty is not over as long as Steph Curry is there and Steve Kerr are there. Because um, roster construction, you can kind of do anything. But I, I don't even know who's going to take on that Jordan Poole contract. No one. So they're probably stuck with it because it doesn't start until next year where he starts making all that money. And then Kaminga's upset because he wants a more full-time role. And if he doesn't get a full-time role next year, he's going to request a trade. Dude, you're in your second year in the league and you're playing for the defending champions. Shut up. Like there's a reason why your your minutes diminished in the postseason because you're just not there yet. You're just not ready yet. And that's fine. But you need to take the time to develop and, and play with these veteran guys who have won the championship four times. Maybe you could actually learn something. Moses Moody 
He was a young player too. He was drafted the same year as John the Kaminga and he showed up in big spots. He earned his minutes and he played really well. And I think next year he's going to be the one that's going to earn, earn uh, more playing time than Jonathan Kaminga. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about um, Steph Curry's speech that, hey, whoever you are, like, if you're not playing a lot, you need to be ready. You need to lock in. And I think he was talking directly to Jonathan Kaminga and Jordan Poole because they were pouting and being upset because they feel like it's their time to shine. Like, dude, no, no. It's Steph, and whatever Steph does, that's what it goes. And everything everything else falls into place, and that's how it goes. But it's it's Steph one two three, and then and then we'll say maybe Kevon Looney fourth with his with his rebounding because he's been amazing. He's just been the consummate professional. He keeps everything steady. Without him, this doesn't go either. Him and Draymond and Clay, like those are like integral pieces to this team. He played every regular season game two years in a row. He's just been a consistent force there. He's undersized, but he just he plays so well against opposing bigs. I mean, Anthony Davis, like, he ate against him. Because, I mean, Anthony Davis, he has the size, he has the versatility, but Kevon Looney held his own. Um, he had a lot of assists in that, in that, in that series. Uh, he just does a lot of things so well, and he's really grown as a, as a professional and as a basketball player, and I am very happy that he's on the team, and I think he needs... He needs more recognition and more respect, but um, everything he knows his role and he does it very well. I'll say, um, and yeah, I mean, there were there were small down low and they they didn't they weren't able to get a lot of stops, but but yeah, that's my uh, that's my Warriors rant. Um, so let's move on to let's see, we'll we'll talk about the East now. Um, so the Knicks, you know, Knicks they lost six games to the Miami Heat. Um, you know, Jalen Brunson has been amazing, right? And with Jalen Brunson, I, the Mavericks should not have have let Jalen Brunson go because now they're stuck with Kyrie Irving, and then he might even like go to another team in the offseason. Like I don't think he's going to resign with the um, with the Mavericks, but like Luca really needs a Jalen Brunson. Like Jalen Brunson has been he's a tough player. He's just he seems like a great leader for the, for the New York Knicks, and I'm happy for New York because you know they've been struggling with 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 basketball for a while and they don't have um they haven't had that consistency at all but you know the miami heat were just better um i don't know how the miami heat were better like what is with this team like how are they there like they have eight um undrafted players and um tyler heroes injured like he's out victor ladipo is out it's literally just jimmy butler and bam and like max Struess that are doing this and it's just i don't i have no idea how they're doing it and for some reason, I want to pick them against the Celtics. <laughs> like I, I just, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, the the Knicks is just, um, you know, they're a good team defensively, and it's just Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Like I'm like so off on Julius Randle. Like he just has bad attitude, like bad character issues. It seems like like his his body language is so bad. And in that game seven, that clo- that not game seven, that game six, he just was he didn't show up. Like he wasn't good. And R.J. Barrett needs to be a little bit more consistent. He kind of disappears in big moments. The only consistent player was Jalen Brunson, and you know, and you can't win like that, especially against uh, Miami Heat, who just they get stuff from everyone all of a sudden. Um, but the Knicks do have a lot to build off of. Um, they, I think, they need to offload Julius Randle. I think they should have offloaded on him last year because he was like supposed to be the best player, and he re- regressed for sure. Um, and sometimes he, he also frustrates me watching him play basketball. Just like it, it upsets me. Like the stuff that he does is just like, like he settles too much 
for certain shots. And if he doesn't get the ball or if he, if the offense isn't being run through him, like he just kind of checks out and that's not winning basketball. Like you can't do that if you're, if you're trying to trying to win at the next level. Um, Sixers and Celtics. This was, um, this was a great series, went seven games. Um, and you know, Jason Tatum had that great game seven yesterday. Um, but Embiid and Harden were complete no-shows uh, in Game 7. I mean, like, Embiid was, like, outscored by Tobias Harris, right? Or, like, Maxi, whatever. And James Harden only had nine shot attempts. And this is the thing with James Harden. Like, I was, I, was, I was so close to giving him a pass this postseason because, like, so many times with the Rockets, um, he's been a no-show. He's been a disaster. But this series, like, that first game without Embiid, he scores, like, 41 points. Uh, he had two games where he scored forty plus game, uh, forty plus points, right? Like, he had, he was just going off. I think it was forty, or there was one of them maybe that had thirty five. Uh, but then the other two games, like he was terrible. And then like so he was really off and on. He was so inconsistent. But then when he was on, when he was like hitting from deep, go driving to the lane and getting that that shot off, um, it seemed like they were going to be unbeatable because the way that the Sixers play, if if Harden isn't like hitting his shots or if he's not aggressive enough scoring the basketball, then they re- I feel like they rely too much on Embiid on the inside, right? In the paint and they're easier to guard because then they could just double double them up and then he has to feed outside and then if no one's hitting their shots, like they're easy to guard. But when you have Harden who's hitting from the outside and then you have Embiid hitting on the inside, like it's hard to defend that. And if they if they can do that consistently, they could win a championship. The thing is like Embiid and Harden are one of the most inconsistent players in the league. Like you have Embiid, Embiid's like always injured in the playoffs. Something always happens, and then then he'll have a game where he's just like he looks like the best player. It's like oh that that's the MVP right there, right? And then it's like oh he's hitting everything. He just like all these rebounds, blocks, and all these points. But then you have a game seven where he doesn't show up and they get blown out. So I'm just like I'm I'm always like torn with Embiid. It's like okay like. At some point, this process is going to be over because he's 27, 28 years old now. And so I'm like, okay, like, wh- where do they go now? Are they going to fire Doc Rivers? I, I don't know. He's Doc Rivers isn't isn't as good of a coach as people think he is. He won that championship with the Boston Celtics because they had that they had those veteran guys. He didn't really have to do much. He doesn't make in game uh, in game adjustments. He uh, always loses game sevens. He has a terrible record for game sevens. Um. And I mean, Harden might sign with the Rockets. He might go to another team because if, if they lose James Harden, you know, then th- that's it. And they're always going to regret letting Jimmy Butler walk out that door. That was the best Sixers team that they've had um, since having Joel Embiid. And they could have won the championship with them that next year if they kept Jimmy Butler instead of keeping Deb- Tobias Harris. Um, the Sixers are a lot, a lot like the Clippers for me. Like earlier, I was like, oh, okay, you know, earlier this year, I was like, oh, hey, maybe maybe the Sixers could do it this year. But then I'm like, you know what? I always buy into the Sixers, and then I don't know why. I, just, I like Doc Rivers. I do. And then I always fall into the trap, and I'm like, oh, the Sixers are going to go. And then they fall short, and they fell short again. And I think I, at some point this year, I was like, oh, I think they could do it. And then I'm like, oh, damn, they can't do it again because I, you can't. You can't bet on Embiid and and uh, James Harden to be consistent at all because they're just not consistent players. Um, the Celtics, I mean, with Joe Missoula, Joe Missoula is kind of you know he's coaching like a rookie head coach, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't call a lot of timeouts. Like his adjustments are kind of weird. It's like there's a weird like coaching thing there. Like 
Ime Udoka was just a great coach, and he, you know, whatever, he had that affair or whatever, and then, like, the Rockets hired him. But, like, that, he was going to be a great, he's a great coach for them, and they could have won multiple championships with him, I believe. But we'll see what happens with the Celtics and Joe Missoula. Um because now Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are uh, they're both eligible for Supermax contracts. So you'd be paying them like $400 million combined uh, if you want to keep both of them. Jalen Brown, I, I don't know. There's like rumors he might go somewhere else. I don't know. Because they, like late in games, they kind of turn away from him. You know, maybe because uh, it's like he's kind of a liability, like dribbling and stuff. But Jason Tatum, like this postseason i mean besides if you don't count the game seven like he was kind of up and down this postseason like he was kind of struggling like forcing too many shots and there's one thing about his game that bothers me is that he he relies too much on his three like he's not the best three-point shooter but sometimes he just like he shoots too many threes and like instead of driving to the basket getting to the paint like he would be a great like if he just had that mid-range jumper and like relied on that more he would be deadly because he could he'd go inside and out Right, but he just relies too much on the outside. But I mean, he had a he had a great game seven, right? Got him to the next level. Now he needs to, they need to go back to the NBA Finals for me to, to further validate uh, Jason Tatum, right? Because I think roster wise, it's the Celtics and the Nuggets that are the best um, that are left in this postseason. But heart wise, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat, you can't count them out. And Eric Spolstra is a great coach. I love Eric Spolstra. He's great. Like the way that uh, the way that he coaches, his adjustments. Like he's up there with Steve Kerr, in my opinion. Um, so my picks are: uh, I'm going for the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going with the Miami Heat in seven games. Um, I don't know why. I have no idea why because this team shouldn't be here, but they're here. And I really want to see Jimmy Butler win a championship. Um, just. Playoff Jimmy is a real thing. He completely changes as a basketball player when the playoffs start. Um, and I think it's going to come down to coaching. And I think Eric Spolster's coaching ability, it's showing because like they're here in the Eastern Conference Finals with that roster that they have. It's ridiculous. Like Kyle Lowry is like 38 years old. Like he could only play like 15, 20 minutes. You know? And you don't know what you're going to get from him. And I just think, yeah, Eric Spolster's coaching ability, he's going to outcoach Joe Missoula. And it's going to be a clinic. It's going to be a coaching clinic. And we're just going to have to see if um, Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart, if they can like outshine the coaching um, of Joe Missoula. Because, you know, he, I mean, he hasn't been, he was like the fourth coach, you know, like when Ime Doka went out, they hired some assistant coaches. He was the fourth option. So he got in and caught, got the, the coaching job on a silver platter. It was like, hey, like this is your team now. This team that just went to the NBA Finals, like you're going to have to bring us back there. And I feel like it's a lot to ask of him. I mean, he's done a great job so far. You know, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he's made some adjustments and stuff. But it, it's just a lot to ask for a, a rookie head coach who's 34 or 38. He's two years older than Al Horford, who's still playing basketball. So it's like it's just kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take the Miami heat, um, solely because of coaching Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. Um, so I'm taking the heat in the NBA finals. And then as far as the West goes, um, the Lakers and the nuggets, uh, I've been on the Lakers or not the Lakers. I've been on the nuggets for like four years now. And I think the way that they're currently constructed roster wise, Nicole Jokic is, is out of this world. I love watching Nikola Jokic play basketball. Like he, 
He passes the ball really well. Like he, okay, sure. He has some inefficiencies, um, defensively, right? He can't stop the ball. He can't stop a nosebleed, but the way he is offensively, the way he like runs the offense the pace that he plays, like he could just do so many things and people can't stop him. Like he'll get 38, 12 and 12, like triple double get to other guys involved. And then when Jamal Murray's hitting, like you can't stop this team when him and Jamal Murray have that pick and roll. And then you have Michael Porter jr. Hitting from three. Then you have Aaron Gordon. Like this team is so deep and they've played, they've been playing together for a few years now. So the continuity levels is, is there is better than all these other teams, I believe. And Mike Malone is, is, is a good coach. You know, I don't think he's as great as Eric Spolster, but he's really good. And I, I just think that the way that this team is set up, like you're going to have um, three, four guys with 15 points, Murray 25 plus Jokic with 30 plus like it's just there's so many options for them to beat you um that I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to respond to that like the Lakers are like a t- ticking time bomb like Anthony Davis you never know if he falls if he's ever going to get back up honestly like he's just you can't you can't completely trust him and then against the Warriors like the Warriors you know they're small down low but like Anthony Davis had some bad games and there was some moments like in the fourth quarter where, where he just wasn't taking a shot or in the second half, he only took three shots and he wasn't as, as aggressive, which is a problem. You need him to be aggressive. He should be aggressive on the boards. He should be aggressive um, shooting and like getting to the paint, especially against Kevon Looney, who's like six nine, six ten. like Anthony Davis is way bigger than him, but he, he still wasn't as aggressive or as dominant as he should have been. He had, he for sure had some dominating games, right? But, I just worry about uh, with Denver, a team that's so deep and they, they could throw different bodies at him if he's actually going to be that aggressive. Because this Lakers team, they'll only win if Anthony Davis is the best player. I don't think LeBron is at that point where he could be the best player every game and then have them win because that's a lot to ask of him because he's playing through some injuries and he's advanced in age now. Um, and he needs to just be like, 20 25 points and like you know get other guys involved and stuff but he he can't be he can't hold the entire burden and like be the best player and have them win like anthony davis has to do his part he has to be the best player he has to lead this team and he hasn't been doing that um i mean he's had some games but i I don't know if he can do that and then d'angelo russell like he's hit he's hit some big shots and had some big moments um, and sometimes they can really ride him. And I think that was a really good, um, that was a good acquisition for them. Um, Austin Reeves has, has had his bright spots. He's been, um, he's been good. Um, and he's just a smart basketball player. And he plays really well with them. Um, Dennis Schroeder has had his moments too. Um, but yeah, those trades did work because now they're in the Western conference finals. Right. But I just think Denver is head and shoulders better than them. Um, and they have the best player in Nikola Jokic. And I think the Lakers are just like one injury away or like Anthony Davis not showing up. And I just, I don't know if I can rely on Anthony Davis as much to um, to be that guy consistently, right? So I'm going to say the, the Denver Nuggets are going to win in six games, right? So in the NBA Finals, we're going to have the Miami Heat and we're going to have the Denver Nuggets. And this, this, that's going to be a great matchup, right? You're going to have uh, Jimmy Butler versus Nikola Jokic, and um, it's going to be it's going to be great, great coaching matchup. And I'm going to say that the Denver Nuggets are going to win the NBA Finals. Um, this was my second pick, right? Because at first I had Warriors and, and Milwaukee, and I had Warriors winning. Then like mid-season, there was an episode earlier this year where I said uh, that Denver was going to come out of the West, so I changed it. 
Then it changed back. Then I was back on the Warriors. So it was always Warriors or Denver. Those were those were the two that I I, I was going with. Um, now obviously it's gonna be Denver since the Warriors are in it. But uh, they've been just been the deepest team this year. Um, I think Jokic should have won another MVP. Uh, but you know that's fine. You know we'll go win the championship, win Finals MVP, and do that. I think I forgot to talk about Phoenix earlier when I was gonna touch on Phoenix. Um, yeah, they fired uh, Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. You know, got that new owner vibe, right? A little bit younger, wants to be um, aggressive, wants to make some changes, wants to show, hey, you know, um, old regime is out. You know, this new one, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do things to try to win. Signs, uh, trades for Kevin Durant, right? Completely decimates that that bench that they had. You know, Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, like they had, they had good pieces, right? Um, I mean, they were better. They were a deeper team, right? And then uh, Chris Paul gets injured, um, so they they lose the series against Denver. But they were never going to beat Denver, right? I know a lot of people are putting um, the Phoenix Suns like, oh, hey, they got Kevin Durant, they're going to win the NBA championship. But look, look what they gave up. They gave up. Uh, Mikael Bridges, as I said, with with Brooklyn, like he really showed out. Like he's a he's a great two way player, and they relied on him a lot defensively. And Cam Johnson to to hit some threes and stuff, and and play his part, but like with that trade, you're really relying heavily on Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And as I say all the time, continuity is important in the NBA. And uh, Kevin Durant only played eight regular season games with the Suns and got injured, and then he only played, and that was it. And then he came back for the playoffs, and so it was all like very rushed, right? But now you think about this team, the Suns, where they have they have both Devin Booker and. Kevin Durant under contract for a few more years. Chris Paul's probably done with the team because he's 38 and, you know, he was injured. He missed the last two games. But then this is another point. They never signed a backup point guard. Campaign, who was, like, playing overseas a, a few years ago, like, he's their backup point guard. And, like, you know, if you have an older point guard like Chris Paul, he's going to get injured. Like, you need a better backup point guard than, than Campaign. And they signed, like, Terrence Ross, to, who he was supposed to be, like, bench guy role player but he barely played and then you know they, they just they just lacked the depth and then like deandre ayton is he's the former number one overall draft pick and he's just been playing so weak that he lacks any any aggressiveness whatsoever he's just flimsy on the boards doesn't want to get any rebounds like doesn't like he just like he's not demanding the ball he's not aggressive enough for me and at certain points monty williams was uh, was pulling him and then playing his backup, and his back was playing it better. So I don't know what they do with DeAndre Ayton. There was an issue last year where they they were going to trade him, and then like they couldn't find a, a trade partner. It's just a bunch of stuff, and I just I don't think DeAndre Ayton is that guy for them. So they were relying on two of the best offensive players in the league, right? Dev, Kevin Durant and and Devin Booker. Their minutes were like insane. They were just and they had to combine for like 80, 85 points every time they won. But, you know, Kevin Durant would pop off. But Devin Booker had a great postseason, right? But he had to do so much. He had to hit, like, every shot, basically. He scored 40, 45 points. Like, he was having a great series. And then that last game, like, it was just a dud. He had 11 points, only three, nine attempts. And Kevin Durant didn't have a good game. Like, they just ran out of gas, you know? And it was just, uh, it was hard. It was hard to overcome losing all that depth. Like, they just didn't have it. And it was all rushed. And it was just... Like, of course, like of course, you make the trade for Kevin Durant, but you have to you have to be able to replace that depth. And excuse this dog. That's not my dog, so I don't like that dog. That's somebody else's dog barking 
on my shit. But anyway, so the the I expect the Phoenix Suns to to build around this roster. They're gonna have vet minimum guys because I don't know like contractually how they're gonna be able to to afford this like salary cap wise. But I mean, I, they they might take a step back honestly. And Kevin Durant's at the point where you know he's gonna get some injuries. He's gonna miss some time. Like he's missed a lot of time, like you know a few years in a row. But um, there's a lot of question marks there. But you have Durant and and Devin Booker signed for you know multiple years so we'll see how they can build around those two guys because you know that's a great that's a great start right but now they got to like retool the bench and then get some three and d guys and you know get get some um get a third option to figure out the the deandre Ayton situation maybe they trade for john collins that, that the hawks have been trying to get rid of i don't i don't know what they do um but yeah thanks for um for joining me for this episode um I hope there's some people still sticking with me and wanting to listen again. Um, I, I gave you an hour today, so hopefully I can give you another hour next week as we'll recap some games. Maybe we'll get into some other sports next week. Um, I've only watched like two innings of baseball. I know there's some new, um, some new rules, bigger bases. Um, they're doing like a pitch clock. So now games aren't like three and a half hours long. Now it's like two and a half hours, which is cool. You know, you go to a game, get a little, get a little margarita, get some beers, you know, get in a fight two and a half hours. That's cool. Um, and then what else? Uh, NFL draft happened. I've, I don't know. There, there's just a lot going on, but mostly uh, focusing on basketball. I will talk about some shows um, that I've been watching. Um, I'm a little bit behind on some of them that I need to catch up on. Um, Yellow Jackets in succession. I finished Snowfall. Snowfall was messed up, man. That season finale was, or series finale, I should say, was um, was tough to watch for sure. But uh, but that was a great show. So I need some more need some more shows to watch uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining me. And we'll be back hopefully next week, maybe next Monday, because I, I don't work on Monday. So hopefully.